Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, turn your Bible to Job. If you don't have access to a traditional Bible, you can log into the YouVersion or Bible app, and there we've uploaded all the notes and scriptures for you. And of course, we'll also put all the scriptures right there on your screen. Well, Happy New Year! I love beginnings. The exhilaration, the hope, the possibilities, they're endless. But to begin again, I know we first need to reflect. Take an inventory of where you've been, know where you are today, so that you can move forward with clarity and confidence and without any unnecessary baggage or trash. So before you leave 2020 behind, don't leave behind the truths it had to teach us. Because there are some time-tested truths that were hard-earned this year, treasures amidst the trash that need to be collected. Because our experiences don't have meaning until they are processed and integrated into our lives. So what did 2020 bring to you? Did you start out with big hopes and plans and dreams? What bumps and bruises, disappointments or disasters did you experience? Did they make you question, wonder if maybe you got it wrong? Did you start questioning yourself, your family, your friends, your world? Did you even question God? You're not alone because it's a question that's as old as time. It's a question we see in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis with Eve in the garden and again in the book of Job, an entire book on the question, can God be trusted? How do I trust God when life isn't fair and I've suffered for no good reason, when my world has been full of difficulties, loss, and suffering? Do I, can I, still believe that God is actually When the pressures of life are on us, we all face the challenge of Job. It's the first message of our time-tested truth series, Faith versus Fear. And in terms of time-tested truths, the lesson of Job is the oldest of them all. First of all, Job is generally agreed to be the oldest book of the Bible. It has no clear historical author or setting and is set in a land far away from Israel with no Jewish characters. The point is this. The author wants us to focus on the universal questions raised here. So who was Job? Job 1.1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. It goes on to say that he was the greatest of all the people of the Eastern world. He believed in equality, prayed for and blessed his friends and family, and offered burnt offerings just in case any of them had sinned. And yet, despite all of this, due to circumstances beyond his control, we read that Job experienced loss and suffering. In verses 13 through 18, we read of the most devastating series of losses through the rapid-fire arrival of messengers that come to tell Job his oxen, camels, and donkeys were robbed, his servants have been killed in the raids, his sheep have been burned in a freak fire, and his children all died in a house collapse. Are you kidding me? Almost instantly, Job's life is turned upside down. Everything he knew changed. Everything he had lost, and he never anticipated it. He could have never prepared for the wave upon wave of loss that arrived at his doorstep and invaded his world. It happened so quickly that Job says in chapter 9 that he couldn't catch his breath. 
And yet even through it all, scripture says that in response to this terrible, tragic, traumatic news, he worshiped God. And he did not blame God for anything. Verse 20 says, Then Job stood up, he tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshiped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But that wasn't all for Job. In chapter 2, verse 7, it goes on to say that Job was struck with loathsome boils and agonizingly painful sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Then his wife said to him, Do you still cling to your integrity and your faith and trust in God without blaming him? Curse God and die. Job lost everything. His business, his possessions, his friends, his family, and his health. And in chapter 3 of Job, just like in chapter 3 of Genesis with Eve, we see a turning point where doubt enters in and Job opens up a line of questioning and wrestling with not only himself but also his friends who he recruits into the debate through endless features that go on for 34 chapters. It's no wonder why most of us have only skimmed past chapter 2 of Job. But it's in chapter 3 that we get a glimpse into why this wrestling even began. In Job 3.25, he says, The thing I greatly feared and dreaded has happened. In the middle of sorrow and heartache, loss and pain that comes in wave upon wave of ruthless and relentless heartache and heartbreak, we are presented with two paths, to lean into fear or press into faith. Eve faced this choice when presented with the question, Did God really say? And she stood firm at first and answered with certainty, and when tempted further, entertained the fear that God was in fact holding out on her. And Job faced this choice when he experienced wave after wave of adversity. And though his initial response was to fall on his knees to the comfort and reassurance that comes when we enter into worship, which reminds us of who God is and what he's done for us, he also struggled to hold on to his faith and not give in to fear. And what about you? When adversity came and wave upon wave this past year, did you hold on to faith? Or have you leaned into the whispers of fear? Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. Faith is the confidence, trust, and reliance in the character of God. We cannot experience faith in God if we do not trust him. And in the story of Job, though he was good, he had a perspective flaw about God. And that made him susceptible to fear, anxiety, worries, and a swirl of internal and external arguments and reasonings, accusations, and even hurtful condemnation, in which he and his friends speculate about hypothetical scenarios that send Job on a mental and emotional roller coaster of endless debate within himself and with his friends, all based on Job's fear. And his fear was this that when it came to his suffering, God himself was responsible. We saw it when he said that the Lord takes away. This is what I feared and dreaded would happen. It's a mistake many of us make. When we go through hardships and difficulty, when we lose our jobs, our businesses, our friends, our family, or even our health, and the onslaught of physical, emotional, and mental pain threatens to steal our joy, our love, our hope, and our faith. It's this misconception that Jesus himself later comes to clear up for us as well. In John 10, 10, Jesus clearly states, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. 
Let me say it plainly. If it gives life, it's from God. If it doesn't, it's not. After 24 chapters, Job finally demands that God explain himself because if God, you aren't responsible, then who is? Job was looking for an answer, but in true God form, God doesn't give Job an answer. God goes one step further, better. God takes away Job's question. In chapter 38, God shows up in a whirlwind to set the record straight in what can only be summarized by a quote from Frederick Buckner. This is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. He then takes Job back to the very beginning of creation, back to the garden, where the question was first asked in what can only be described as an elaborate National Geographic tour of the wonders and intricacies of creation. Why? To show him two things. First, that God is love. And second, God has a plan. He doesn't tell him. He shows him that all he is, has ever done, or will ever do is out of his vast love for us that is evidenced through time and space, and that he's had a plan to redeem, restore, resurrect, and make all things right since the very beginning. The whole of God's message to humans throughout Scripture and throughout history can be broken down into four words. Do not be afraid. Fear tells us to anticipate and be on the alert for danger, threats, and harm, even from what we once held confidence in. It will physiologically change our thoughts, our emotions, body, and our behavior. Fear will take a fragment of truth, half-truths, partial truths, and will activate our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. The Bible describes it as torment. Faith, on the other hand, has confidence that redemption, reconciliation, restoration, and resurrection is on its way. It doesn't deny the darkness. It doesn't deny grief. And it does not pretend that everything is fine. But it is rooted, firm, strong, in a confidence that knows that we can be certain of God, even when faced with chaos. Later in John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustrations. But be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and I have conquered it for you. In the end, there are three things that Job did that helped him choose faith over fear. First, he corrected his perspective. In chapter 42, it says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know am convicted that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. I heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words, and I am sorry for them. Once Job took his focus off of his fears and went to God with his anxiety and doubts, God took away his question by showing him who he was. He reminded him of his character, showed him his nature and his greatness, that he was in control even when the world seemed to be in chaos. Once Job cleared up his perspective, he was able to see the hope that God provided and be certain of what he could not see because he had put his eyes on God. Second, he set boundaries on his voice and on the voices he had been listening to that did not line up to what he knew about God. When God asked Job if he has anything more to ask him or say, he responds with, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? I place my hand over my mouth. 
And by doing so, he stopped the negative dialogue that he had engaged in, not only the philosophical debate he had entered into with his friends, but also the psychological battle within himself. In life, beautiful and terrible things will happen, and we have the choice, just like Job did. We can spend 34 chapters of entering into the debates of fear to be bitter, resentful, suspicious, and cynical, or we can choose to focus our thoughts, our conversations, our energy on the peace that hope, optimism, and resilience give us. Scholars estimate that the beginning to the end of Job's sufferings spanned nine months. And yet the turmoil that he experienced because he allowed fear to rule his conversations made that time frame seem much, much longer. The third thing that Job did is he forgave. In verse 10, it says, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God not only restored the blessings of Job's life, he doubled them, but only after he forgave his friends. In order for Job to have an open heart, an open mind, and open hands to receive the restoration that God had for him, he first had to free up the space that the hurt, the offense, the accusations, the anger, and even aggression from the people he had called friends were occupying. Knowing the end of the story, you might even call Job's troubles a blessing. Not that he deserved them or that God gave them to him or that he would want to go through them again, but because it was through his adversity that he was able to appreciate the blessings he did have when they were restored, so much so that he perceived them as double. Because of the troubles he walked through, he could now see God more clearly and learn how to face his fears and press into faith, waiting with hopeful anticipation and peace and confidence and assurance that when trouble came his way again, he trusted that God would see him through. We've all had our share of difficulties this past year, when it seemed like wave upon wave of loss and physical pain and isolation took our very breath away and invited us to fear. And I can tell you, just like even Job, there are plenty of times that I gave in to fear in puddles of discouragement and disappointment and despair. And yet, when I take an inventory of who God is and what He's done, not only in Scripture, but in my life, I choose faith. I choose to see the God who sees me. I choose to trust Him again and again and again. And that has made all the difference. How about you? What will you choose today? Do you see the God who sees you? Do you want to? The year 2020 has been called the year of vision. And my prayer for you is that as you remember, as you look back, you will see that the God of blessing and redemption and restoration that we see in Job is the same today, who loves you and has a plan for you too. And I know this because God showed us his love and his plan when he sent his son Jesus, the ultimate blameless and righteous one, to answer this question for you across time. Jesus took on the hurt and pain and suffering of the entire world, mine and yours. And in his humanity, he questioned, was troubled, he sighed, he sobbed, he groaned, was in agony, distressed, he deeply grieved. And when faced with suffering, he fell down to his face and prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In other words, 
God, I trust you. God, I know you. God, I trust that you love. And God, I trust that you have a plan. And he kept moving forward because there are some things in our lives that we will never resolve, decide, or be sure of by going around, but only by going through. And when you do, and because he did, we can be sure that this very same healing, the redemption, the wholeness, and restoration that Job received is for us as well. He sees you, he hears you, and he so lovingly wants you to clearly see him. We want to give you the opportunity to receive that gift of salvation. I'll say a few lines of prayer and you can repeat them. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Please forgive me, please change me, make me different, make me new. Be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name. God, I pray for my friends who have had many struggles this past year. I pray that as they would look back, that you would show them that you are the God that never fails, who never leaves us, who never changes. Today, we choose faith over fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.